are you comfortable just having those, you know, bugles on your collar or is it something that you really want to be different about and make an impact? Whatever you think you are incapable of, you need to be 10% more to get to that thing you say you want. It isn't enough to be a, a company officer. It isn't enough to be a chief officer. It isn't enough to be a mentor. What are you being intentional and deliberate about accomplishing? episode four of the kitchen table leadership conversations in this podcast we'd sit down with leaders and mentors around the region and now we get to venture out of the region to talk all things leadership we call it the kitchen table because we know some of the best conversations at the firehouse take place at the kitchen table and the goal with this podcast is to focus that kitchen table energy into talking leadership i'm your host berlin maza of course deputy fire chief bill mack is with us again today glad to have you bill good morning Today, our guest speaker, we're excited to have Fire Chief Greg Tryon from Central Valley Fire District in Belgrade, Montana. Chief Tryon served in the U.S. Navy prior to starting his career in the fire service at Fire District 10 in Issaquah, Washington. Like most, Chief Tryon started as a volunteer, then eventually climbed the ranks from firefighter to deputy chief, where he served in roles such as chief of operations, training, logistics, human resources, community services, and more. Chief Tryon is a huge advocate for leadership in the fire service, in which our topic today, I'm very excited to have the conversation around leadership of self, as well as how oftentimes organizations tolerate bad leadership. But before we get there, I want to introduce Chief Tryon to you all. Good morning, Chief. Thank you for taking the time to meet with us today on the kitchen table. How are you? Well, thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. I've got, you know, Berlin, who always held me accountable and asked me tough questions, and Mac, who would do the same thing. So I'm excited. I don't want to let you both down. <laughs> well, thank you. I know you and Bill do know each other from King County and training division level. So go for it, Bill. No, I was just going to say that, yeah, I've known Chief Tryon for a few years now. And, um, no, he's always one of those guys that I could respect. Uh, has a good head on his shoulders, and I'm sure we're going to learn a lot in this episode about uh, leadership in the fire service. Awesome. And the timing of this episode is great. To be honest, it's December. This topic that you're going to discuss today, Chief, as we go into the new year, new beginnings, fresh starts, this topic of leadership of self. Before we get there, tell the audience today, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about Chief Tryon. Like, where did you grow up? Tell us about family life, what got you into the fire service, and anything that you'd like to share with us today. Uh, thank you. I basically grew up in the Esquire area, um, and from there, eventually I decided I wanted to go in the Navy. I was going to fly jets, got to the University of Washington, and decided I really don't like calculus-based physics, so I have to find something else. No dogs. Um, with that, I never thought about being a, a firefighter. It never occurred to me. I didn't. I read Curious George, and who wants to roll up fire hose for a living? Um, but after spending some time in the Navy and having some um, very impactful experiences, I wanted to do something in emergency medicine. Um, I didn't know what that meant either, but a dear friend got me to become a volunteer, got to become an EMT, and I learned I didn't have to leave friends and family for six to nine months, and I got to be a service and got to be around a good group of people, and that was really cool. Um, 
along the way, I got married to another firefighter. Uh, she took me to the Olympics where she was an athlete in two different Olympics. Um, ultimately, she passed away um, far too soon. Ultimately, um, I got married again and I got to marry into a family to an amazing woman who's now at the University of Washington working on her uh, physician's assistant um, degree. And she has three amazing kids. So I had sort of an instant step into uh, fatherhood. But how did I end up where I am at? Um, mom, dad, brothers, Jay Rotsey in high school, baby, um, Amy, this Ipsley thing that we'll talk about occasionally, uh, leadership beside Micah and her amazing kids. Um, but also like every firefighter, every friend that I have worked with, everything, um, all the way up to this phone call I got about a year ago saying, hey, you wanna fill in briefly for a sick fire chief down in Montana. So it's one of those things that uh, you just never know where life's gonna get to. And that open mindset, that growth mindset that we talk about also is you have to be ready for it and just take it. So sort of how I got here. Oh, let me just touch on that real quick, Greg. Um, what really forms you as a leader? Like what, what makes you click there? I point back to uh, one, my family. They could never uh, stand to agree with each other, so they would have all these conversations, arguments is another term for it. But um, Jay Rotsey in high school, I had a naval science instructor who, he never had to yell at you. You knew when you had not lived up to your best, and you felt bad letting this person down. And I never understood how he did that, but it was imparted across a wide group of, you know, high schoolers. They didn't want to let the captain down. So that was a huge thing. From there, the Navy, and I spent three months off the coast of West Africa where I really started to understand what diversity meant and some of the impacts. Uh, going to the Olympics and what it takes to get there. I'm watching my wife do that. Seeing plenty of death. Plenty of friendship, love, kids. Um, and then ultimately, I guess, having opportunities to uh, step out of my comfort zone. I worked with some different groups like Leadership Eastside, which um, uh, reminded me I constantly make assumptions. And I, we all know what assumptions do to us. And But with that, that forced me to be uncomfortable and that allowed me to be aware of self, to be continuously learning, and then have the opportunity to uh, practice regulation of self and quite frequently get it wrong, but be in an environment that was uh, accepting of that and supportive of that as I got to be better. <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, I heard two you know, big things there that I do want to highlight and spend a little bit of time on. Number one, you said be uncomfortable. And I think every single guest speaker that, we have, that we've had on the kitchen table thus far has mentioned somewhere along the lines about being uncomfortable or getting into an uncomfortable spot to help them get to where they're at today, to help them be successful and help, you know, and help them become better leaders. So, you know, I just love that. But number two, you know, you said a few times, Chief, there was an opportunity for you time and time again in different areas, different times in your career in which you capitalized. And while some people would call opportunities, you know, good luck, I think of, you know, I think of elite athletes, 
and the way look, they look at uh, you know look at opportunities. And many of them would say that all luck is is simply preparation meeting opportunity. That's it. And that if no one, if you know, if you were never prepared as an elite athlete, for example, if you weren't prepared, then when an opportunity is in front of you, that so-called luck could never actually happen. So moral of the story here, Chief, if I hear you correctly, you know, you were able to capitalize on these opportunities, the many opportunities, because you were always prepared, you know, to walk through that door when, you know, when, when an opportunity came up, you know, it's not about getting ready. It's always about staying ready, you know, so I love that. So going right into that first topic today, Chief, that leadership of self, can you tell us a little bit about what that is? Um, it comes from a theory by a, a professor named Heifetz out of Harvard. Um, what I like about leadership itself is whatever approach that you want to take, and you mentioned um, servant leadership, there's transactional, transformational, all of these different types of things. But why is leadership in some cases so similar, but there's only like slight differences of how you deliver it? And the idea of um, leadership itself is that there's these three major tenets. First and foremost is awareness itself. How do you come across to people? Do you know how you come across to people? How are you seen? Um, do you take the time to practice to what I'd like to talk a lot about is do, reflect, learn. Whether it's sitting in a classroom, watching somebody exercise leadership, working on a minor task, do you take the time to truly reflect on what you have done so you can learn how to implement it better the next time. And finally, the hardest and forever work in progress, at least for me, is this thing called regulation of self. Um, a friend and mentor of mine, and you got saw his TED talk, um, he says he struggles with regulation of self every single day. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, that was almost deflating to hear that because this man is nearly perfect in my and if he struggles with that, what help do I have in getting that? But ultimately, it's about it's learning. It's not just when to say something or not to say something, but it's understanding the role you play in that moment in time. And I use this example of working, um, went through this two-year master's program in leadership at Leadership Beside, and this woman was sharing something that was very impactful to her very emotional and my firefighter self just wanted to go over there and shield and protect you and say, I've got you. I'm here with you. You know, I'm supporting of this. If I had done that in that moment, I would have taken something from her. I would have taken the opportunity for her to, you know, share this information to, to help educate us, to help offload all of these different things. I would have stolen that progress forward you know another year and a friend of mine is sitting there and she is sharing something that came out of this, this program and the impact and this to take that moment and just reach over and put my hand on her hand was the right thing to do and it had nothing to do about oh i'm shielding oh i'm just gently it do you and this is the way we learn this the way we learn this is usually screwing it up we fail but are you prepared to take that next step and go, what worked here? What didn't work here? Am I adding to the benefit? And a lot of stuff, you know, that we, I've heard you guys on your um, podcast talk about, which is, 
are people being authentic? Are they being honest? Are they being open? And, and, and this regulation itself is really centered around that. So if I, if I can just kind of interrupt a little bit, I just wanted to highlight something that you said, you know, that is a really interesting concept of, you know, leading yourself. And we think about leadership is always leading others or being led by somebody, but that's a really, really important skill um, to learn from yourself and to lead yourself. You know, we hear it conceptually in different ways, but you know, just touch on that a little bit more, you know, whether it's good or bad. Like I think about elite athletes. That's one of the reasons why elite athletes are elite athletes is because they're not happy. Even if they win the game, you know, I guarantee you, you know, elite athletes, Tom Brady is not just happy to win the game. He wants to go back and evaluate his skills and look at ways to get better from that. Um, and that's something that gets lost in fire departments because we've talked about this before. There's so much of this, and this is something that we work on in the training division, right? It's how you guide them and let them learn from their mistakes, but they have to be receptive to that. So let, can we stay on that for just a second and touch a little bit more on that? I think that's super interesting. So another thing that I learned from Amy was, you know, going to the Olympics, basically her coaches said, whatever you think you are incapable of, you need to be 10% more to get to that thing you say you want. And, and, and that's great for us. And so I love your sports analogy here because it isn't enough to be a, a company officer. It isn't enough to be a chief officer. It isn't enough to be a mentor. What are you being intentional and deliberate about accomplishing? And, and that's where goals come out of. That's where success comes out of. And so that leadership itself is, are you comfortable just having those, you know, bugles on your collar or is it something that you really want to be different about and make an impact? And, and that's honestly where leadership itself is. And the beauty of leadership itself is there's a clear difference between Western version of leadership. And I would say pretty much the rest of the world where the rest of the world views leadership as a collective approach to things. But what I like about leadership itself in this concept is it allows my Western brain to focus on something that gets me to, which I think is a better world, which is a collective leadership. And so the center point of leadership itself is, are you taking that time to step back and evaluate, do reflect, learn, and see how the impact is? What impact do you have on others? What impact do they have on you? Can you accept that? Can you, can you profit from it from a positive way going, wow, I never thought to ask this person about how I came across or anything else. Or I'll use um, Berlin as a great example. We were in um, talking about the Zipsley class and sitting through it and sitting in an office space with him. He was telling me things basically about how we weren't doing well as a fire department on being accepting of others. And so as a deputy chief, hear this from a firefighter now lieutenant was i going to be open and receptive to that or was i going to say hey tough buck up you know get with the program here type of stuff so anyways leadership itself is everything to me and the one the one thing that we've said several times and you said it there um is it's really not about rank either that whole leadership thing you know i've said this comment several times that you 
need to lead from where you are, right? It doesn't matter if you're a engine driver, probationary firefighter in recruit school, you know, a company officer, a fire chief, um, that you have opportunities to lead from where you are. And that self-reflection allows you to be able to then correct things and then change them into leadership moments. So there's a, there's one thing or two things that I transpired in this one question I'm going to ask is number one is you, you mentioned, do you know how you come across to people? And then you also mentioned, you know, being accepting, does is your organization, is, is the organization accepting of, you know, of, of, of people of all people, are they inclusive and so on and so forth. But everyone is responsible for their own development to a degree, right? I mean, they obviously have to have opportunity within, but how do you, how does an organization or how does, how does one get to the point where they want that feedback, right? Because let's face it, we're, we all we, we all get scared of feedback, especially with negative, right? Like we don't want to hear what we suck at, even though we all know that's what we need to know because that's the fastest way we can improve and become better at whatever we want to be better at. But it's tough. So how can, you know, whether it be a, you know, a newer employer or an emerging leader, how do you motivate or get that person to want to be receptive to all feedback. And even if it's feedback from say a probationary firefighter, that's simply just trying to tell you that the approach that you're using is no good or how, how it's tough, right? You know, you get a 20 year person and then you got a year one person that, you know, does not vibe with you, but we all know we need the vibe to work. How does one be more accepting to that? What I'm mindful of is, and what I was taught is organizations do what organizations do. Organizations are not good. They're not bad. They are built, you know, they are bureaucracies. They are built to do what they were designed to do. If we determine, and I hear this a lot in the fire service, like we want different, we want to change it. We want to be this, but we keep doing the same things that we've been doing. And in some cases, we're not even aware that we're still doing it. Sometimes this was a really like eye-opening experience. We'll have that employee, and I'm, now I'm talking sort of in an administrative role here. We'll have that employee who's a challenge. They, they're the ones constantly pushing the boundaries, annoy the living daylights out of you, whatever it is. They're the ones who might be the ones who get disciplined and everything else. And you ask that employee, they're trying to, they're saying, I'm trying to change things. I'm trying to make things different. I want this to be a better place. What I came to understand is actually what they're doing is reinforcing the system the way it is today. Yeah. And by their behavior, the way they're approaching, the system is saying, nope, you can't do this. Here's the discipline that goes with it. Look, everybody, see, I've proven the system works. We hold somebody accountable. We keep doing it. And as I'm thinking about this issue of, it's not hazing in this academy, but I had some instructors acting like jerks and when I'm around, when my senior leadership team's around, everybody's perfect. The problem is, is when it's in the shadows, the people have gone away, they move back to the way it's always been, the way they were raised. And so systems, and it's really the system problem. And the earlier conversation we we're having, when we talk about people and, you know, being ready, being open to that opportunity, that next um, thing that comes along. Organization has to be better at producing the opportunities, producing people to be prepared for opportunities, 
And that's where the assessment centers and tests come around is, okay, that's your data shine about your personal level of work. But what did we do as an organization to prepare everybody to test, to be available, to be ready? So whether we're talking about, you know, equity issues, you know, or do we have enough men, women, um, color, whatever else, that's an organizational thing to fix, but to give them the understanding of this is the pathway, this is what we need out of everybody. So that's what we need to do as a system. Um, and there's lots of things that and later I want to talk about it is, you know, what do we do specifically? And do we as the fire service understand that we are actually practicing master's level leadership that not even I would say most days does the military have to do. The fire service, you have to practice master's level leadership going from 90% of the time working with somebody on a collective basis to a purely hierarchical system and then switch back. But we didn't hire people for that. We didn't train people for that. We don't talk about that. Right. You bring up a great point, you know, that the, the challenges of leadership in the fire service are, are probably uh, not comparable to anybody else, right? If you work in the Fortune 500 company, if you worked in Microsoft or Boeing or anyplace else, you work an eight-hour shift, a 10-hour shift, you go home, you don't have the rest of the social game that happens um, for, with us in the fire service, right? As a, as a shift battalion chief, as a company officer, um, you have a lot more challenges because you're eating sleeping you're doing all 24 hours worth of stuff with people so um you kind of touched on a little bit earlier but you know here's my question to you chief triad uh, can a person effectively lead others if they're ineffective at leading themselves ultimately i say no you know the the, the classic joke even a blind squirrel finds a nut is is something that stands out to me because somebody can go, look, that guy's being a jerk and he still got promoted. He's this, he's that. So I think honestly, in the short term, yeah, you can. And I often told, you know, my company officers this is that you can choose now that you've got promoted, you can choose to be an enlightened leader manager or a royal jerk. Because the fire department is giving you this great set of tools, these firefighters, to accomplish the mission of the organization how you utilize those resources up to you. But I can tell you, if you are a royal jerk, at some point, you're going to be taking out the garbage by yourself. You're going to be washing the rigs by yourself. You're going to be doing all this stuff because the agency is still going to expect the work to get done. But those great resources we gave you are going to say, see ya, sayonara, have a nice life. So honestly, I don't think if you practice true leadership itself, will you ever be effective? Oh, it's, it's interesting, and I I, I, I love it. It's, it's uh, there's just there's so much out there, and um, I actually had a conversation with an individual just the other day, and uh, um, it was it was it was regarding, you know, I don't I, I'm just not into leadership books. I'm not into listening or hearing from other, and it's like I need that. So I'll, I'll, I'll just be a little vulnerable here. I mean, I, I need mentors. I need someone to learn from. I need, you know, someone to, to mimic. I need that stuff. I'm just, I was never born with that talent to just be a natural born leader if, if there's such a thing. And, and so it's, it's, it's just, they so every, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to rely. I'm sitting here taking notes because this stuff is awesome. And it's, 
But an individual, and you mentioned the, the, the word, and I've been hearing it a lot more lately, the intentionality behind some of this stuff. You know, you got to be intentional about being better. Otherwise, you, and I'm going to mention it later, there's a there's a part that you t- you're going to touch on, and it's, if you want to be great, you got to do great things, right? If you're going to be mediocre along the way, well, the end result is being mediocre at the end result. So you got to be intentional. If you want to be great, do great things. So there's a lot of perspective. And we talk about this a lot in earlier episodes, but I'm just going to, I'm going to mention it here because perspective is huge, right? Without perspective, there's, there's, you can't base or gauge anything against anything. So Chief uh, being, you know, now with two different fire departments, you know, climbing the ranks at one over the last 20 some years or so, and now uh, being in a fire department in, in a different states, serving in many different roles, tons of perspective there, right? As it pertains to leadership of self, what can you tell the listeners today regarding the importance of having perspective? I think my greatest learning is the need to walk in somebody else's shoes. Um, whether that's, we're talking about tough things like discipline. Why are we here? Understanding the organization the way it is. You know, coming from District 10, the, the organization was built because it was so spread out, the type of environment that it was. The, I think the mantra was, you call, we come. We don't care who calls, we just come. And when we joined with the city of Issaquah, their mantra was, we serve our people, we serve our town, and we know everything about it. The challenge to them was, is if that incident happened on the other side of the, you know, the, the property line, so to speak, sorry, that's somebody else's district because how they were raised. So when the two departments came together, it could have very well have been, <laughs> we're not going to come and we don't care. Because District 10 was viewed as very aloof because we don't care. We just show up. You call, we come. We don't care who we're helping. We're here to help. But what came together was we care a lot and we go wherever. And so this perspective of understanding of how we got to places is really important. Um, It's the the beauty of my learning about... um, my experiences in the Navy, um, I was in my division, I was one of the few white guys. Um, the funny part was, is it was very tense, very challenging until I mentioned I was from Seattle and this guy from deepest part of Georgia said something like seafare. And I go, yeah, seafare. What about seafare? And he goes, and we were stationed on the East coast and we joked that we would come back to our home port at battle station. People literally throw things off the bridge at us as we were coming back into port. But in Seattle, he came for seafare one year and he got adopted by a family and he got fed over the weekend and he got to travel over the stuff. And the rest of the division is like, no, that stuff really doesn't happen. Yeah, it does. And through this, I got to have a much better working environment and I got to learn a lot. Why this matters to me in perspective is, is that whomever now in my role hiring, I need to make sure that when I show up in the community and we come to the door, there is somebody on that crew that that patient, that homeowner, that business owner can click with, can connect with. And it has nothing to do really about, you know, oh, 
I'm a woman, I need to see a woman come through that door, or I'm a person of color and I need to see a person of color come through the door. It needs to be somebody that they can connect with. Because then we can have a communication, then we can talk, then we can learn, we can better understand. And, you know, we see this all the time, right? The EMTs show up on the call, they ask the patient a bunch of information, the medic walks through, asks the same question, they get an entirely different answer. And I know this happens with the paramedics when they get to the hospital. They've asked all the same questions, the doc asks this question, and they get an entirely different answer. And we all feel like idiots. The idea of perspective is some of that awareness of, you know, am I listening? Am I doing this? But do I have the ability to truly understand another human being enough so I can listen, so I can learn? Not that I know them, but so that I can actually learn. And that's kind of, to me, the idea of perspective. And my fortune is, is District 10 was a very diverse operationally organization and then we grew and i had a very diverse set of fire chiefs and most of them were really about serving the community so we got to try different things ultimately leading you know to core connect and core delivery and all this stuff that we besides now doing and then moving here is the same thing i'm i'm the blue stater i'm i come from washington and they call us cows california oregon and washington but what I hear is a lot of the same things. It's just from a different point of view. So again, yeah, no, it's good. Uh, I, I heard something very, um, I can, I resonated with there. You said listening. And so I heard this the other day, there's a difference between listening to understand somebody versus listening to try to respond. And there are times where we don't need to have to respond. It's literally just being there to try to understand someone's perspective, understand what they're trying to go through. Because let's be honest, oftentimes when we respond, sometimes it's not even the right answer. But we feel like sometimes that we're responding because we feel like that's what we have to do. But when you actually take a step back, it's like, well, did I respond just to respond? I mean, did I even give this person the accurate answer that they're looking for? To them, they probably are like, oh, that is that is the answer. And it's like, Sometimes just listening to understand is completely appropriate. And that's something that I'm learning with. It's like, I might, my response might be, you know what I feel for you, but I don't have an answer for that, but I hear you. So switching gears a little bit, because as we talk about these conversations and uh, you mentioned you had us in your Ipsley class, everyone read this book called difficult conversations. So now as we keep talking about leadership of self, can you elaborate on the importance of having the ability to have difficult conversations and tell us the importance of having them and what happens if you don't have them. Everything happens if you don't have them. And usually none of it is good. We, we hate the thought, we even hate the term and the definition of critique or criticism. Even just looking at the definition of criticism and critique as a detailed analysis and assessment of something. Well, that's important, right? If, if we didn't perform well on the fire ground, we, we had an EMS call that didn't go the way we thought it was, or wow, I didn't have a good interaction with this other human being. What's going on? Uh, I guess for an emerging leader, they need to understand their role is to get stuff done, right? That, that is, that's why we promoted people is to get the work of the organization done. And if you can't have that difficult conversation, such as, you know, accomplishing a task, developing your people, serving the community, keeping people safe, those things that we're supposed to do, if you don't have the conversation about, 
hey, you're not wearing your SCBA correctly. You are not operating that um, fire engine in a safe, you know, effective manner. All those things. You're putting yourself at risk. You're putting the team at risk. You're putting the community at risk, which means you're putting the organization at risk. All of that stuff. And that is the role of a leader, that emerging leader type of thing. You know that you hit on a good point that I have a question based off of it. So as a leader, does someone lose credibility if they're not willing to have those difficult conversations? If they're just willing to just walk through that res bay, seeing crews do things that are inappropriate, and they're like, you know what, I'm just going to put blinders on and not see it. You know, we've all seen it before. We've all, you know, none of us are new to the fire service, and it's not even just a fire service issue, right? But um, a lot of people would rather ignore an issue because they'd rather not confront it. So are you losing credibility if you do that as a leader? I think absolutely, because one side of that is somebody else is going to fill that gap, right? Whether it's their role to take on or not, they recognize that you're you're being a weak leader. Um, I think our fear is that we're going to come across as a jerk. But honestly, it is the role, it's the job. But the, the one thing that I want to tell people and that I've learned is what I've learned about having difficult conversations is I usually wish I would have had them sooner. And the other person is more appreciative that you had it with them. Because what you're showing is you in fact have so much love for this other human being that you are willing to risk that relationship in order to improve them, to improve the situation, to keep them safe. And it, I don't think there is anything more powerful in the world than being able to do that. And, and that's funny enough, the message that actually comes across is, wow, this person cares so much. They're willing to let me know in a way, even though it was uncomfortable. And again, overall, every time I do this, I'm like, damn, I wish I would have done that sooner. And I am surprised that the person was actually happy. Yeah, I've, I've used the example a couple of times uh, of after action reviews, right? We're, we're terrible with them in the fire service. We've all been in them where, you know, we've completely messed up a fire. Everyone knows you messed up the fire. Um, you come into the room and, you know, the chief officer comes up front and says, hey, here, we did a great job today, you know, or last night, fire went great, you know, no one got hurt, fire went out, that kind of conversation, and he's trying to pat himself on the back, and everyone in that room is like, whoa, you know, there's so many ways we could learn from that, um, you know, and I think that, you know, from being in training, people people appreciate that honesty. Like when you say, look, yeah, the fire went out, no one got hurt, but we did screw some things up, right? Engine one screwed up here, engine two screwed up there. And you do it respectfully and you do it from an area of respect and trying to get better. People get that. And in the end of it, I've had people come up to me and say, hey, thank you, Chief, for doing that because I knew I messed up. And, uh, you know, I thanks for calling me out, you know. And my, my wife actually has a term that I very much appreciate. It's calling people in, right? It's, it's, it's the same thing, but just as you identified, you have a way that people go, okay, yep, that was an honest reflection of what was going on. I feel like I'm part of this. I'm not being an outcast. I'm being brought into how we get better. And that's, 
So I never use it, but I absolutely love that calling in versus calling out type of stuff. It's that behavior. Wow, I, I like that. Calling in instead of calling out. You call on calling out as a definitely has a negative connotation to it and calling in is different and uh I, I, i'm gonna i'm gonna use that and i'm gonna uh, reference the, the the appropriate individual on that one so we ask this of every speaker so according to chief tryon so talk to our listeners here what are your keys to an emerging leader you know i and i use this as leadership itself so i'll, I'll just continue this process it's awareness itself be humble, be you, i.e. authentic. Don't try to be something that you're not. Um, and ultimately, be a listener, because that's where that leads into that continuous learning. You know, everything from others, yourself, you know, how we learn is one bite at a time. Don't expect to be fantastic at anything. Practice it slowly, get better at it. And then that regulation itself, as I, you know, kind of, you know, right here and have this conversation is risk a little, be there for others. Get hold accountable because people want to be held accountable. They want to be part of an organization. But how we do it, I think, is where most of us human beings screw up. Mm-hmm. So that's really the big thing. But And we've talked a lot about it. I've heard it in your previous podcast, and we we're mentioning it repeatedly today. Intentional and deliberate. Um, if we're going to be good at anything, we have to practice. Leadership is that same thing. We talk about, you know, we got to put up so many ladders. We got to put pull so many pre-connects. We got to do so many um, quarterly defibs to be competent. It's the same thing with leadership. Practice it, practice it, practice it. Yeah, that's good. It's uh, episode four now, and I think our speaker on every single episode, I think it's safe to say, listeners that are listening in today, uh, a good leader must have the quality of being humble. So show some humility, and that's a, I'd say that's a good place to start according to the last four episodes and I'm sure more to come. So, so what, what I hit on one thing again, and, you know, I think that when we go back to chief Rommel, you know, chief Tate, I've said this and I've heard it from you now that this whole idea of continuous learning, you know, however you want to frost that cake, it's, it's being uncomfortable. It's being, you know, challenged, however you want to say it, but um, I think you would agree with this, you know, and I said this in my podcast that if, when I look back at kind of vital parts of my career and I've stepped out and gone into a new role, you know, there's sure there's butterflies in my stomach come day one. You know, sure, there's a period of time where I'm staring at the computer going, oh, man, what did I do? And, you know, how do I move past this and how do I how, how am I going to be successful? But at the end of it, you know, you slide that timeline for down a little bit, a few months, a few years, however long that assignment takes for you to get comfortable in it. You know, you eventually realize that you're a lot stronger coming out of that role than you were going into it. You know, I said in my podcast, I could have very easily been a shift BC for the rest of my career. I was very comfortable. I knew how to manage people and crews and incidents very well. Um, but picking myself out and challenging myself, not only in a new rank and role but also in a completely new department made me super uncomfortable but i'm better today as an executive fire officer than i would have been if i would have stayed comfortable so i just wanted to touch on the continuous learning part and i'm sure chief tryon you feel the same way by that and you know when we talk to our um, emerging leaders out there you know don't be afraid to be uncomfortable i'm not telling everyone to leave their agencies and go go somewhere else but i am saying to challenge yourself 
know, when you're at that point where you feel like you know your job pretty well and you're pretty comfortable with putting your gear on the rig and doing what you do 24 7 um, reach out there and try to be a little bit uncomfortable learn a new skill whatever that is wherever you are in that life if you're that probie learn how to drive you know if you're an engineer you know learn how to be a company officer those kind of things just drive you to be better Haha, <laughs> thank you, Bill. It is that hot coffee time. And what the hot coffee time is, is time that we spend with our guest speaker talking about some kind of hot topic or controversial topic in the fire service. And so your second topic that you wanted to talk about today, Chief, was this topic of surrounding organizations tolerating bad leadership. So I'm curious where you're going to take us. When you say organizations tolerate bad leadership, what exactly do you mean by that? And if that is the case, is this a subconscious thing or a conscious thing of organizations tolerating bad leadership? Well, my, my friend and mentor would say it's absolutely conscious um, because we've set up policies, we've hired people, we've trained people, and we allow them to stay in the positions and do those things. Sometimes it's a process where, oh, that's just so-and-so. That's just the way it is. I you know, and God bless him because this, this human being, when I think of this is the nicest human being when he's away and was away from the fire department. He, he was about helping, um, young kids with disabilities and getting them to feel like that they could do so much more, but he was an absolute jerk at work. And we, we knew that when we put brand new people with him, Yes, those brand new people learn things, but he did it in such a way that it took me even being, you know, at the level of a deputy chief before I could truly honestly say, shut up, quit being that way. But I didn't do it all the time. So it's it's a conscious thing that we do. I came from a, a union chef that was proud to say we eat our young. I talked to these guys that I, you know, now get to serve with a lot about, you know, the abused become the abusers. There's, there's no way in my brain that it seems to make sense, but we know that from, um, harassment. We know that from physical abuse in homes and everything else. What we know is people that are suffered through this turn around and do it to others. Yeah. So we, we, we culturally accept it, organizationally we accept it, even to the point of, in collective bargaining agreements, you know, the, and I'll say this, the union approaches, hey, I want, you know, job security for my people. The, the admin says, I want to have the ability to fire and discipline at will. And both of them point at each other saying, it's your fault. I can't discipline or quit this because, you know, the CBA is hamstrung me. The union saying, hey, be better managers, be better leaders. And then we don't even have to go this route, right? So to me, it is a very conscious thing. We just accept it. And I don't know why we do, but it is what we do. So then drives the question. <clears throat> you know, everyone is everyone ultimately is responsible for their own, you know, development, right? Like I mentioned earlier, we all, you know, we, we all deserve, you know, um, you know, opportunities in our organization. We all deserve, you know, a path to help us progress and be good at our jobs, period. But to get to that next level, there is an element of self-process and self-improvement, if you will. But with that, since 
organization tolerating bad leadership is a conscious thing. And we're talking not just the organization tolerating it. We're talking even managers. We're talking about the low-level employees that tolerate our own lack of leadership of self, if you will. We can just go down that since this conversation is about that. How can we consciously now do better at all levels? It has to be, again, a collective process. We just identified it. It has to start with self, right? It's as a brand new you know, supervisor, it seems really lonely. I remember walking into a crew who months before was my former officer and my former lead firefighter, and now I'm their brand new supervisor. And it was a station way away from everything else. And I felt like I was by myself. I failed to reach out to my other lieutenants, other captains, my battalion chief. I felt I had to take this world on my own. And at the same time, I wasn't prepared to take the world on my own. So I, I walked in guns blazing, which shut the whole conversation down, screwed that up. Um, but ultimately, if I'm prepared to risk a little bit, I'm paying attention to how I'm coming across, how I'm seeing, and knowing that if I would, back to Chief Max, earlier comment about how you approach people, if they know you're being truthful, authentic, and who you are, they're going to listen to you, ultimately. But maybe not just you. It might make two of you. That's where you need to have that, you know, build your your people and, and work together as alert an emerging leader or a supervisor or anything like that. Um, it's we just, and then the organization needs to spend time and we don't, we don't spend money on actual development. We send out to classes, we do these things, but it's random. It's again, not intentional. It's not deliberate about where do we start and where is the future goal point that we're trying to get to. A couple of key points there um, about changing, you know, that whole organizational culture, I think kind of what we're talking about a little bit, is doing it kind of like we do run incidents, right? When we have this big structure fire, we talk about the span of control. No, I can't go out and influence all 180 of my employees on the line, right, in operations. I can't do that as the deputy fire chief and go out and throw something out that's going to affect all of the people. So when I can do those, I can start working on my team. Right. My team and my assistant chiefs, you know, my fire chief, you know, we have these command staff meetings weekly, start working on that team, you know, and, and we've talked about earlier that the building this good, effective team means that, you no, know, I allow discussion. I allow, you know, dialogue with our assistant chiefs. If they have any questions before we leave the office, I want to hear them. You know, what I what I don't tolerate is debate, and that's a whole other thing that, you know, when I feel like when you're debating, you're waiting to jump in and give you your answer, you're not really open to, to thought. Um, but we're aligned when we leave that room. So getting them all aligned in each of their divisions, I have four assistant chiefs with four divisions that they run, and saying, hey, here's what we tolerate in our divisions, and then letting them go you know, grab their span of control, five people that work in their divisions and say, look, my operations, my operations assistant chief, he grabs his BC group and he says, hey, we're no longer going to tolerate 
three minute uh, turnout times, you know, just using something as an example, you know, we're going to work hard to try to lower those turnout times to an acceptable standard and we're, we're no longer going to tolerate it. Well, then that's going to require those battalion chiefs to go to their station captains and say, Hey, we're no longer going to allow this to happen. We're going to find a way of doing it. And that's how I get a message from, you know, the top level all the way down through, through 180 people. And it can happen very quickly. But then after you get that message out, you got to be very consistent. Um, you got to be intentional using that word that Berlin you love. I do. Um, I do. You know, it's got to take gentle pressure. And then last, I think you really got to talk about the why. Like once they understand the why, like why do I have to worry about turnout times? Well, because it's the one thing that we can control as an organization, right? It's the one thing we can do. We can't move calls closer to us. We can't move stations closer to calls. But what we can do is get on the rigs a little bit faster. You know, and if we if we shave 30, 30 seconds off that, we're saving 30, 25% of our response times, right? So just if you explain the why to people, then it doesn't just look like a directive from the deputy chief. It looks like organizationally, it affects everybody through all of our organizations and all of our divisions. If we just do one job a little bit better. I'm going to jump this to the rapid fire coffee top off. So listeners, here you go. Each episode, we ask our guest speaker to offer three suggestions. These are three questions. Uh, suggest three meaningful action items to the listeners to start doing right now today to start growing as leaders so chief talk to the new aspiring leader this could be a formal informal could be a newer firefighter apprentice someone thinking about taking that next step into a more formal leadership role what's one thing that they could do today that demonstrates better leadership or leadership of self and just keeping with that leadership assault thing, that, that thing that they need to focus on at this aspiring stage, hey, I'm thinking about it, I want to be involved in this, is awareness. Awareness of self. The image they have of themselves, does that match the people they're working with, the, the people they want to aspire to become someday, um, is critical. Because, and if you can do that, suddenly a bunch of mentors show up out of nowhere. All of those doors start to open up for you. Um, So awareness of self, be willing to go ask the question. How do you see me? Where do you see me going? What are some things that I should focus on? Awareness of self. Now for the emerging leader, those are uh, individuals that are in new leadership roles currently. Uh, Could be a new mentor, firefighter, engineer, a newly promoted company officer, maybe a training officer. What's one thing that they could do today that demonstrates either leadership of self or to be a better leader? I think, and which is, you know, the fear part of this is it's the regulation itself, right? How are they coming across? Are they, you know, delivering the message that they think? Are they, are they choosing the right pattern to, you know, using Chief Max thing about, hey, the, the deputy chief says we have to do this. Are they delivering a message that, supports, defends, raises up that message all the way through? Are they doing the actual work that that um, that leader should be doing? Because it isn't easy. Because sometimes they have to support and defend the thing that they're not entirely sure about. And they may not have had the chance to ask all the questions that they wanted to ask about. But that's the thing. That's the role. That's the job. And that's what they need to practice on. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, when I'm not on that drill ground, 
with that brand new probationary firefighter and I can't impress my, you know, desire of how we treat other human beings, it comes down to that company officer. They're the ones doing that work. Absolutely. Thank you. Finally, for those established formal leaders out there, senior members of the organization, senior officers, chief officers, what is one thing that they do today that helps demonstrate leadership of self? Well, the final missing element is continuous learning. Um, that shows the brand new firefighters, the, the ones who are practiced in their technical skills that, hey, you're, you're willing to learn, you're willing to grow. I, I'm, I'm willing to, to keep working with you because you're always open-minded. You were listening, as we talked about, um, listening to learn. And so that is the ultimate thing. Yeah. Sometimes we think we know everything, and that's usually when everything goes awry. <laughs> so to reiterate, listeners, awareness of self, are you intentional about learning about yourself? Regulation of self, are you willing to know and understand how you come across to others? And then uh, lastly, continuous learning. Funny enough, when you when I was in your Ipsy leadership class four years ago, um, the book on David Goggins came out, and actually just yesterday, his second book came out, and it's actually called Never Finished. So I thought of that immediately when you said continuous learning because it's it's you're never there, right? It's like, oh, you know, I want to be a company officer. I want to be a chief. Well, when you become a chief, do you, do you say, all right, I'm done? No, it's 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 well, now what can you do at that role? So it's that continuous learning. I love how you said that at the, at the formal leadership, senior chief officers is continuous learning, and that wasn't at the first, so that was awesome. Today we close our episode with the leadership challenge. This is where we ask our guest speaker to call out or call in, there you go, to challenge an individual that they believe would be a good candidate to talk leadership at the kitchen table. So Chief Tryon, if I may, I'm going to kind of put you on the spot and um, ask you to uh, throw a name out there. I'll, uh, I'll gather the contact information from you a little later, but if you don't mind, maybe call out an individual that would love to talk leadership and that would love to inspire our listeners to talk anything leadership. I'm going to have to call out my friend and mentor, James Whitfield. Um, he's got a new company called B Culture, but he's the guy that um, he speaks to conservative, liberals, business, nonprofits. He's this ability to bridge gaps between groups. And again, I'm just usually in awe of the things that he talks about and says, and he's, he's the guy that, Right between my eyes told me, you tolerate bad leadership, Tryon. James Goodfield, funny enough, I think I told you this in an email. His name was thrown out um, on this uh, conversation about a week ago. James Whitfield went down in the chat and said, oh, James Whitfield, yes, I've uh, seen his TED Talk. In fact, um, I'm supposed to reach out to him at some point, and then here it is on a formal call out. So this name, it sounds like we'll be reaching out pretty quickly here. So, well, Chief, Bill, thanks again. Thank you, Berlin, for continuing to keep this dream alive. I mean, I think that everybody, you know, we've said this before, that um, everybody learns in a little bit different and makes connections a little bit differently. So I think the more conversations we can have uh, with leaders around our nation now, I mean, outside of Washington, even and outside of our region, I think the more that, uh, that you know, we'll do, we'll do good things for the fire service. You know, you're not born naturally born leader. Um, you said that Berlin, uh, and I'll correct you in saying that it's, it's, it's something that you can learn though. And that's the good news.
right? That you're not born as a leader, but you can learn it. And for those people who are feeling comfortable right now in their positions, listening to this podcast, I challenge you to, to get a little bit better, to get uncomfortable, you know, walk, walk into the chief's office and ask for assignment if you don't have one and uh, tackle it. Absolutely. And just, uh, I'm going to throw right back at it. was uh, some sarcasm from your first episode. Uh, no natural born leaders out there. It's a learned skill, a, a skill that must be fine too. Can you try on any uh, lasting thoughts to our listeners before we close? I just think this is absolutely critical to, to talk at this level of a conversation. It helps us all grow, helps us all be better. It's invigorating to me. So again, I, I appreciate the challenge. Like I said, having Chief Mack and uh, Lieutenant Maza sitting in front of me having this conversation keeps me on my toes and i appreciate that oh thank you um thank you everybody for tuning in today to the kitchen table episode four we truly hope that you found this time valuable we hope that we've inspired you to take action to lead and to spread the leadership conversation as far as you can until next time be safe be intentional and stay curious